0: The famous leaning tower of Pisa is going to fall. Scientists estimate the 179 foot tower moves about 1 20th of an inch each year and expect that one day soon, it's gonna lean too far and collapse. Interestingly, Pisa means marshy land, which gives us a clue as to why the 810 year old tower is leaning in the first place. It doesn't matter how pretty something looks on the outside, if the foundation isn't strong. That's why God has built his kingdom on the foundation of principles like righteousness and justice. Which is why it's important as believers that we take on these traits and live them out for the world to see.
1: It will not only help you to be successful, you'll have my imprint of my culture, of my nature, my
0: values and morals in your life. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. As believers, we have an amazing opportunity we often miss in sharing Jesus to the world. And this week, we're sharing part two of a message that Charles Tapp gave back in 2017 that is apropos for what our nation is going through today as he reveals the one thing the entire Word of God is based on, with his message, Generous Justice.
1: As we begin today, I want us to look at Deuteronomy 4, verses one to verse two. Whenever we look at a passage, it is always good to place it in its proper context. So we're going to go back to the beginning of Deuteronomy 4 to see what is actually taking place here. The word of God says, now, O Jerusalem, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. Verse two, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. For the most part, the book of Deuteronomy is simply a recounting on the part of Moses of the events that led up to the children of Israel as they were about to approach the Jordan River and eventually make their trek into the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy, Moses recounts some of the major events like the law that was given to them at Sinai. He recounts the appointment of the tribal leaders and Israel's shameful refusal to go in to the promised land. Thirdly, he recounts the events of their wandering in the wilderness in the deserts. Historians tell us it should have only taken them a week to go from Egypt into the promised land, but it took them 40 years to finally make it in. So he says in verse one of Deuteronomy four, listen to the statues and judgments, which I teach you to observe. But in chapters 5 to chapters 26, Moses goes into very distinct detail of what these statues and what these laws are. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, he does not do that. Instead, he emphasizes the importance of the law of God and the part or the role it is to play in the success of the lives of his people, and in giving Israel his law, God once again is reminding them that he is king and they are inhabitants of his kingdom. And here's why this is important, because although the ushering in of the kingdom of God upon the earth began at Christ's first advent, and it eventually will unfold in its fullness when Christ returns, we must never forget that God has always been king over this entire universe. Can you say amen today? In Matthew 25, 34, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has been prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And if you were here last week, you know what I mean when I say kingdom of God. For when we talk about kingdom from scripture, we're not talking about a place. We're talking about rulership. We're talking about reign. We're talking about being in charge of. So kingdom here is not as much a place as it is the place that God desires to have in the lives of his people. It is God within us. So when the Pharisees came to Jesus, because he was always referring back to the kingdom of God as this and the kingdom of God as that, they asked him the question, where is the kingdom of God? And this was his response. The kingdom of God is where? Within you. In other words, he's saying you decide whether I'm king of your life by allowing me to have first place, to have rule in your life. So when you and I decide to place ourselves under the reign of God, then we then become part of the kingdom of God. And there are many explanations and definitions as to what the kingdom of God is really all about, but I found one this past week that I really want to share with you. This is by the late Miles Monroe. Look at what he says in describing the kingdom of God and the kingdom principle. He says, kingdom is the governing influence of a king that he has over a territory impacting it with what? His will, his power, his purpose, with the intent of producing a citizenship of people who reflect the king's culture, nature, values, and morals. Do you get that? Kingdom is not about a place. Kingdom is about impact. Kingdom is about influence that you have over those who make up the kingdom. So when we talk about the kingdom of God being within us, we're simply saying that God is impacting, that God is influencing our lives. And when we talk about the glory of God, that word glory simply means weight. It means imprint. So when God says my glory will be upon the earth, in essence, God is saying in the lives of my people, I will make impact. I will have an imprint in their lives. When you see them, you will know they belong to me. You know, my wife and I, we have three children. You can tell they're part of our family, not just by looking at them, but by the fact that they put ketchup on everything except for ice cream. I kid you not. It started in college because the food was so nasty. So in order to be able to eat it, we put ketchup on everything. And you know why? Because ketchup kills it. So that we could eat the food. Our family, we have our own T-shirt It says, I put ketchup on my ketchup. Why? That's the imprint we made in the lives of our children. You know when you see them putting ketchup on eggs, ketchup on greens, ketchup on macaroni and cheese, ketchup, what, what? Ketchup on corn. Ketchup on broccoli. You know what I'm talking about. He's with me. He's, you know. God is saying my glory will be upon the earth because I'm gonna make an imprint. I'm gonna make impact. I'm gonna have influence in the lives of my people. You will know who they are because they have my imprint. And that's what God is saying to Israel. Listen, if you keep the law, it will not only help you to be successful, You'll have my imprint of my culture, of my nature, my values and morals in your life. Again, we've got to remember kingdom of God, it's not about a place. It's about the place that God is to have in my life and in your life. And if you want to really begin to understand the Bible, And what it's really all about, I can sum up the Bible in one word, kingdom. The Bible is about kingdom. It is about reign. It is about rulership. Genesis 126, the Bible says, and God said, let us make man. Let us make man in our plural man, mankind in our image, after our likeness. And let us give them, watch this. Let us give them dominion over the entire earth. Do you know what that word dominion means? It means rulership. It means kingdom. And if we're really going to understand the Bible for what it is, you've got to understand that the reason God made man, male and female, man and woman, is so that they could be the first kings of the earth. To rule over the earth and to expand the kingdom by being fruitful and multiplying. But sin interrupted man's kingdom. Sin interrupted man's dominion. It interrupted his rule. And ever since, with every covenant that God has made, it is with the purpose to reestablish kingdom, rule, in the hearts and lives of his people. So in Deuteronomy chapter four, when Moses reminds Israel of the importance of God's law in their lives, it is so that they can understand and possess the kingdom of God in their hearts. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter four. As we look at verses five and verse six, putting all of this into context here. Look at what it says. Surely I have taught you statues and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your what? Wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who will hear all these statues and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Do you understand what is being said here? God's plan for Israel to become a great and successful people would not be the result of the wisdom they possess within themselves, but instead their success would be inextricably tied to their willingness to obey the law of God. In other words, their success depended upon their willingness to place themselves under the kingdom or the rule of God and everything God's Kingdom and rule stands for. Again, kingdom is not about a place. It's about God having reign in our lives. So every time you and I pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In essence, we are acknowledging that in order for the kingdom of God to be upon the earth, I must be willing to submit to the will of God, which means, as I said last week in our first part of this series, you can have and I can have, we can have our names on the roll and be members of the church. You can even have your own reserved pew with your name, your family's name on the end. And I've seen that in some churches and you better not sit there unless you belong to that family, not this church but some churches, but you can have your name on the roll and not be part of the kingdom of God. Do I need to say that again? We think that being a church member is what it's all about. I can be in the pew every week. I can be a part of 21 and a half ministries, but
0: if I'm not allowing God to reign in my heart, I am not part of the kingdom. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Generous Justice. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this.
2: I'm gonna take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in his grace and breathing out his praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged.
1: To get more encouraging content, go to
0: WGTS91.9.com. This is Simple Truths for Life, and God has built his kingdom on the foundation of righteousness and justice. This week, Charles Tapp reveals the importance of that foundation and how we can live out these traits for the world to see as he concludes his message, Generous Justice. And
1: here's what we must understand. If I wanna be part of the kingdom of God when it comes in its fullness, I have to be part of the kingdom of God now. And everything that the kingdom of God stands for. Well then what about the church? Listen, the church's role is to simply advance the mission of the kingdom. That's my role as the church. That's your role as the church. As a matter of fact, the word church, it has its roots in an Old Testament word that has nothing to do with anything religious. It is the word gahal. And what it simply means is one who's been called from something to another, So when Christ built his church, in essence, he's saying, I'm calling you out of the kingdom of this world, out of the rulership of this world into the kingdom and the rulership of God. Now it's your job, my job to advance the mission of the kingdom. And what is the mission of the kingdom? To live out the values and principles of the kingdom of God. Everything that it stands for, I must live for it. I must promote it and I must be even willing to die for it. But what does the kingdom of God stand for? Look at what the psalmist says in Psalms 89 and verses 13 to verse 14. It says, you have a mighty arm, strong is your hand and high is your right hand. Look at verse 14. Righteousness and what? Justice are the foundation of your throne, talking about God. Mercy and truth go before your face. So, What's the foundation of the kingdom of God? It is righteousness and it is judgment, but that's what the kingdom of God is built upon. Whenever you build a building, whatever structure it is, one of the most important considerations you want to take into account Is the foundation. I don't know how many of you watch HGTV. Anybody? Uh, You're (laughs) shamed? Home and Garden TV. I'm hooked. I'd rather watch that than most of the other stuff on television. But I've learned from watching people flip these homes that one of the first things they check when they buy a home is what? Foundation. Thank you, choir they check the foundation. Why? Because of this thing called in construction, compounding defects. Stay with me. In other words, if there's a defect in the foundation of the building, everything you build on top of that will ultimately have a defect over time. Why? Because the foundation has a defect. One of the reasons Why this nation when it was first built became such a great nation is because of the foundation upon which we were built. We were a great nation because we trusted in God. We even put it on our currency. We were a great nation because we patterned our laws after the law of God. And we were a great nation because we stood for the principles of righteousness and justice. As a matter of fact, one of the most famous lines from one of the f- most famous documents in our history gives credence to that, the Declaration of Independence. And probably the most famous line, you know it, it goes like this We hold what? These truths to be what? Self evident that all men are created. Equal, And that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, rights which cannot and should not ever be taken away. Rights that are among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. The founders of our nation understood that our success as a people would be tied to the willingness to stand for the principles and the values of the kingdom of God, which are righteousness and justice. But the other side of that coin says, whenever we deny the place that God is to have in our lives, whether as an individual, as a nation, or as a church, then we will lose what God has sent us here to become. Look at what the great philosopher and theologian G.K. Chesterton has to say as it relates to this very same thing. Look at what he says here. When people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. Some of you got that. When we fail or cease to believe in God, it's not that we move over here and start believing in nothing. We now open ourselves up to believe anything, even outside of the values of the principles of the kingdom of God. Look at verses 7 and 8, going back to Deuteronomy 4, speaking to Israel. For what great nation is there? that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us. For whatever reason we may call upon him, look at verse eight, and what great nation is there that has such statues and righteous judgments in all this law which I set before you this day? What is God saying to his people? Simply this, that other nations will call you great not because of your own wisdom, not because of who you are, but they will call you great because you live by the great principles of the kingdom, the principles of righteousness and justice. And that's why we were a great nation, because we lived by the principles of righteousness and justice. If you want to be a great church, Live by the principles of righteousness and justice. What does that mean? Righteousness is personal, individual obedience to God. Justice is me living out my righteousness in the lives of others. So if I'm a righteous person and you're being denied justice, what's right, what ought to be, I can't sit back over here and say, I'm the church. We don't deal with that kind of stuff. That's not for the church. Really? As I said last week, one of the reasons why young adults today are walking away from the church is because they see the church as irrelevant. They see it as a social club. But the church was called to advance the mission of the kingdom. So when I see injustice, I can't just sit back and go, oh, that's too bad for them. No, no, no. If I'm righteous, I've got to stand for justice. Regardless of their gender, regardless of their race, regardless of their socioeconomic background, and regardless of their political persuasion, right is right no matter what. So if the church can't be about what's right, again, I ask you, then who the greatest opportunity that Israel had for the other nations to get a glimpse of who God was, was by them living out the principles of the kingdom of God in their lives. As I tell my students in uh, principle of Christian faith, any of you guys taking that class with me? Principles, Christian faith. You're taking it now. You don't know your grade yet, do you? Okay. (laughs) God chose to reveal himself by giving us Jesus Christ. So when the disciples came and said, show us the Father, what did Jesus say? I've been with you all this time and you don't know who the Father is? If you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. Now the world is saying, show us Jesus. The church should be echoing. We've been with you all this time and you don't know because the church does not always advance the mission of the kingdom. God is going to hold the church accountable for our job is not to be an irrelevant social club. Our job is to be citizens of the kingdom that stand for principles of righteousness as well as justice. As we close here, look at Jeremiah chapter nine, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his what? Wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his what? Might. Nor let the rich man glory in his what? Riches. Verse 24, but let him who glories Glory in this. God says, I've got no problem with you glory. But in what? You want to glory? Glory in this. That he who understands and knows me that I am the Lord God, oh, 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 what? Exercising judgment, loving kindness, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. So if I'm part of the church, whose mission it is to advance the kingdom, the reign, the values and the principles of God, then the church is supposed to be about loving kindness. The church is supposed to be about righteousness. The church is supposed to be about justice. What ought to be not just for us, but for all, but for the least of So if you want to advance the mission of the kingdom, then advance righteousness, advance justice, advance loving kindness. And then the other nations will be able to look at you and say, I have seen the Lord. I want to be part of the kingdom of God now so I can be part of the kingdom of God
0: in its fullness. Amen. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Generous Justice. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week.
1: Jesus is saying, although our sins are the same from the standpoint that none of us can truly cleanse ourselves, your reaction to being forgiven should not be the same.
0: How do you respond when you've been forgiven? Next week, Charles Tapp shares what that response should look like when we realize we've all been forgiven, as he shares part one of On the Road Again with his message, The Road to Forgiveness. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.